Today I'm going to talk about CPR training. We're going to talk about some training that we need to do because God wants to use you to bring people back to life. God wants to use you to bring people back to life. God wants to do some CPR training in this house so that we, uh, that we actually bring life to some people. Not only Ukraine and Russia, but the people of Newcastle and the people in our lives and in our families and those that we have influence on. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. We got a lot of dead people around us that don't know Jesus. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. And salvation is going to spring up through you. Say through me. So we're going to do some CPR training. And CPR is going to stand for the three points that I'm going to make. C will stand for something. P will stand for something. And R will stand for something. So make sure you get your notes out, your phone out, whatever you need to have so that you remember. Because uh, with training, you need to write it down so that you repeat it and remind yourself so that you can save someone dead. Amen? So we're going to save some dead people. You all right with that? Yes. Romans has been good, hasn't it? And as we move into chapter 10 today of Romans 10, Romans 10 goes into this thing about the plan that God has for salvation and that God really does have a plan for salvation. You know that? And so we have read Romans 8. We're going to skip kind of 9. I'm going to talk about 9 just briefly a little bit today. I'm going to move into this. I'm not going to talk about our reading plan. You're in it. If you're a guest with us, we have one and we'd love for you to join with us. We'd love for you to join with us on Facebook. Uh, the reading plan of Romans, and we're in Romans 10 tonight, or 10 today, and next week we'll be reading Romans 11. But those reading plans are out on the Welcome Center, and I'm just trusting that you're jumping in with us because it's so stinking good. Amen? Amen. And for those that you don't think it's stinking good, it is stinking good. <laughs> stinking may be the wrong verb or adjective that I use to describe it, excuse me, but it is wonderful stuff. Amen? Um, so today what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to move from Romans 8 and go into Romans chapter 10. And when we left Romans 10 last week, it was powerful. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. We talked about how there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That when we have salvation in Jesus Christ, when we are in him and we are saved, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Right? We've been set free from the law of sin and death because we have been placed inside of Christ. And so we talked about last week, there's no condemnation, there's no punishment, there's no guilty verdict against you, there is no, uh, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And so Paul begins to end that section of Romans, and he begins to transition as he goes through 9, 10, and 11. And he begins to move from that righteousness has been provided for you through Christ, and now he begins to talk about how righteousness is now, that there is a plan for salvation. There is a plan of righteousness, that God has a plan. And so we're going to talk about that plan that God has and that is in God's heart as we move through Romans 9, 10, and 11 today. And so we're, I'm excited about that. So <clears throat> Paul begins to shift, as I said, and Paul is excited in Romans 9 and 10, and actually through all of Romans, he's excited. <laughs> Paul is an exciting teacher, isn't he? But he's really excited that the Gentiles have come to know Jesus. He's excited that the, the, the Gentiles are getting saved, that they are accepting the righteousness of Jesus. But 9 and 10 then shifts about our glory and what we've been given as Christ, and Paul begins to show his heart and his concern 
that he has for his own countrymen. He is really grieved in his heart about that his own people are not accepting the righteousness of Jesus Christ. They're not in Christ. They are staying in the law. They're staying in Judaism. They are, most of them, some of them are getting saved. We know Nicodemus got saved. and Some of the Jewish people, they got saved. And there were Jews coming to Christ. But he's writing to Rome, and he's telling Rome, hey, there is a plan of salvation. There is a plan that I have for both Jew and Gentile. This plan of righteousness is both for Jew and it is for the Gentile. And so Paul is changing and he's transitioning with this, and he is grieved in his heart about where his own people are at. So as we go into chapter 10, Paul begins to talk and teach, and he's going deeper on this concept that you and I call salvation. Everybody say salvation. salvation. Being saved. Everybody say being saved. And he expands on how salvation works, whether you are Jew or you are a Gentile. And he begins to unpack this. And I'm going to start, I want to read a little bit of Romans just to give us a little context of what, what Paul is saying. So if you have your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 10. And we're going to read the first four verses. Then we're going to read some in the middle. And I'm going to bring some definition to the scriptures. I missed that. I was going to give you that in my intro, but we will pass that. So here in Romans 10, Paul begins to address the Christians in Rome, and he says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they be saved. Paul says, I pray that my Israelites, my fellow brothers, will be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God, and they sought to establish their own righteousness, which was a righteousness from the law. <clears throat> Christ is, oh, excuse me. So they don't know the righteousness of God. Yes, yeah, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So Paul is establishing that they have not submitted to the lordship of Christ, the way of righteousness through Jesus. And he says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Say, I believe. I believe. Therefore, I'm righteous, right? And so then we go down to verses 9 through 13, and Paul begins to talk about what salvation is and how the plan of salvation comes to pass. And so he says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be what? Saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. He's telling them how people get saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That is shouting grounds, right? For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, everybody say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Paul gives how people get saved. 
in Romans 10, 9 through 13. And then he jumps down in 14 through 15 of this chapter. He then continues, he says, How then can they call on the one they have believed? How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Father, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, I thank you that you are going to get this word inside of our hearts and it's going to transform us in the name of Jesus. And everybody said. And before I begin to explain some of this, <clears throat> all of us will get something different out of Romans 10. Not that there is a different context. There is, a, there is something Paul is saying to the people of Rome. And where I'm going to go with this is I, I want to establish a couple foundational principles before we get into explaining Romans 10. And the foundation principles are, th are this, and, and this may say, and I will explain it because it may sound like heresy at first, but it's not, I promise you. <laughs> Salvation is a supernatural work of God. Yes. Salvation is a work that the Holy Spirit does in an individual. It is a supernatural work of God, but it is also a supernatural work of God. Of man. And you might say, what do you mean by that? So foundational principle that I want to make, salvation is a supernatural work of God, and salvation is a work of man. And you say, well, Eric, what do you mean by that? In Romans 8, Paul begins to explain the supernatural work of God. And, and, and this was the end of the chapter. I didn't get to it last week. I, w I wanted to, but there was just not enough time. And so I'm going to use this as a springboard into chapter 10. But at the very end of Romans 8, Paul begins to explain the work of God, the supernatural work of God. And he said, as for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Now what I want to do is, I'm not going to go into a full description of predestination. There are two theological viewpoints when it comes to what the word predestination means here. There is a Calvinistic view and there is an Armenian view. And both of them have uh, some interesting viewpoints I am not going to talk, I'm not, I'm not going, I, I lean more towards the Arminian view. Calvinistic views is that you are predestined and that you, there, there are only those that God has predestined to be saved and that you have no choice in that, that you cannot resist God, that it, it just, you will be saved and that other people, they, 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 they are not predestined and Arminianism basically means you have a free choice. There is a choice in God. And I, and I lend towards that, that. But this issue of God, without getting into the theological debate, because it divides the body of Christ, something terrible. Those two theological truths divide the body of Christ, something terrible. But I think you'll see with your own experience, 
you had a responsibility when the Spirit of God came running after you. And that there was a response that God was looking from, for from you when the Spirit of God came chasing you, right? But God's heart is that all men come to know Jesus. God's heart is that he is drawing all people to himself. Can I have an amen on that? And God draws men to salvation. Say, God draws men to salvation. Men and women, by the way. Men, I'm saying general term here. And he makes a call. They're predestined. He has desire for them. He, has, he also calls us. He makes the call. He makes the draw. He begins to pursue us. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. And people have a choice to respond to this call to salvation. And some people respond to the call of salvation, and some people do not call, respond to the call of salvation. Have you seen that at work in people? But salvation is a supernatural work of God. You cannot get saved without the Spirit of God quickening your heart, pursuing you, knocking, 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 and coming after you. It will not happen without God and His Spirit moving upon you. Can I have an amen on that? It is a supernatural work. And then God, when he does the calling, he also does the justifying. <laughs> and he makes it as if you never sinned. And he justifies you. And he makes you righteous. It's a supernatural thing. And he gives you this gift of righteousness that is in, found in Christ. And then he also glorifies you. It is supernatural. It's a mystery. None of us know and understand it completely. But salvation is an amazing thing. Can I have an amen? amen. <laughs> and we should remember the honeymoon. Because our joy of our salvation is really a good thing. <laughs> but in salvation, God pursues us. He comes after us. He knocks and he seeks and he pursues, and man has a choice to respond to that salvation. So it is a work of God and it is a work of man in that there must be a response from man. But there is another work that I want to talk about. It's not only a work in that I must respond. There is another work that I think sometimes we miss. And this is the point where God is emphasizing right now in this season that we're in as a church, as he's renewing things there's another work of man involved in salvation that I want to establish in our hearts today. And I really want you hearing me from this point on. Because it's very, 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 very serious and very, very good. Salvation is also a work of man in this. In that God uses you to become an instrument God uses you as an instrument to bring salvation, the salvation message of Christ to people. So salvation is a work of God and a work of man in that God uses you and I as an instrument to bring salvation to people. Are you with me? Bless you in the name of the Lord, and you, and you. Anybody else? 
evangelism is a work of man between our divine God calling people to salvation and God standing at the door and knocking. Evangelism is this, this work of man where we cooperate with our divine God to bringing salvation to the lost. Can I have an amen? <laughs> You're quiet. In some ways, God has limited himself in the work of salvation. Now, now, that sounds really hypocritical. And what I mean by this is God has in some ways limited himself in salvation in that he is co-laboring with you. He has made a choice to co-labor with you in salvation with other people. Now, there is times where God moves sovereignly in salvation like he did with Saul of Tarsus as he was on the road to Damascus and Jesus came and knocked him off his horse. You guys remember the story in the Bible? And sovereignly God showed up and he came to Saul and changed his name to Paul who has written most of the New Testament. And so there are times where God sovereignly moves and he comes and brings salvation and he reveals himself to people without anyone involved. And there are, there are stories of Jesus showing up in people's bedrooms. There are stories of Jesus showing up in, in nations of other countries where there is no gospel of Christ. And he comes and he sovereignly does it. But God wants to use you. Say, God wants to use me. There's a work of salvation through us. And I'm going to give you some CPR training on that. You guys with that? If we do not tell this generation about Jesus, the next generation will not hear about Jesus. Now, a couple scriptures that I wanted to share that back this up out of Philippians 2.13. We memorized this several weeks ago. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Say, it is God, it is God. Who, works in me who works in me to will and to act, will and to act. in order to fulfill his good purpose. And what is his good purpose? Salvation. The gospel. The good news of Jesus. Second Timothy I did out of the NLT because I thought it said it really well. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. There's that word suffering again. Dang. Work at telling others. Everybody say that with me. Work at telling others the good news. And fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Does that have give you any sense of responsibility here this morning? Any weightiness? Any, oh, oh dang, I, I, I'm not off the hook. So, again, I'm establishing the foundation that salvation is a work of the supernatural power of God, and it is also a work of man. Are you with me? So I'm not saying that we work for our salvation when I say it's a work of man. I'm saying that God co-labors with us 
in the work of salvation. And we would all agree, right? So with this foundation intact, in, in I want to now begin to move through chapter 9 and 10 and begin to look at what Paul describes, as, what Paul looks at as he describes the work of salvation and what our part is through evangelism. Everybody say the word evangelism. So let's get into our training of CPR this morning. So Romans 9, we're going to first start getting into our C of the CPR, CPR training this morning. And I only did that just to get you guys to remember it, so that way when you leave today, hopefully you'll remember what CPR stands for. Clue. Write it down. So let's look at Paul's heart here for a moment. In Romans 9, 2 through 4, we read that last week, and I don't know if it stuck out to you, uh, but look at what Paul said. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. Those of my own race, the people of Israel. And then in 10.1, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. What do you see there? What is going on in Paul's heart? Paul uses some pretty descriptive words here. Great sorrow, unceasing anguish. Heart's desire, my prayer. As I started to dive in this week of what those Greek words meant, um, I had to admit they aren't exactly feelings and emotions that I or very many people have in the body of Christ. But at any rate, let's go into it. So I looked up this great sorrow, this unceasing anguish, and literally in the Greek, it means great emotional pain and sadness for their salvation. That Paul was having this great emotional pain and sadness for the salvation of his people. Anguish is this unending, everybody say unending. Not momentary, not just this morning on Sunday morning when we're at New Cove. Paul had this unceasing, unending, it means unending mental and physical pain and distress over his countrymen's salvation. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Paul goes as far as to say here, I wish I was cut off from Christ and cursed. All you word police out there, Paul's saying some pretty negative language there, right there. But it shows us into Paul's heart that he would rather go to hell to make sure his own countrymen and the Gentiles are saved. What does that speak about Paul's heart? Think about that for a moment. Wow. And then I had to ask myself, when was the last time you, Eric, your heart was grieved and in anguish 
and mental, physical pain for someone's salvation. So let me ask you, when's the last time you've been grieved and anguished unceasingly for the salvation of the people around you? This isn't to guilt you. Because in you, there is a seed that was in Paul of caring and being concerned for his people. In our CPR teaching this morning, C stands for caring and concern. And what God is wanting to do in this hour is not guilt us that we don't have it, it's to repent and confess that we don't have it to the degree we should have it and ask God to blow over our hearts. Can I have an amen on that? Because it's there. It is actually there because the seed of God has been put in you. The righteousness of God is in you. That seed of concern and care is in you. It's there. And God is in the process of blowing over it this morning. Paul deeply cared and was concerned for the loss of his nation and nations. And God wants to do some CPR training with us this morning because he wants to repump our heart. He wants to get the shock paddles out. And he wants to awaken the sea. He wants to awaken care and concern in your heart, not only for Ukraine, which we prayed today, not only for Russia, but for our family members, the people at school, the people at our work, the people that we come in contact, he's wanting to resuscitate the body of Christ. The word of the Lord this morning was what? Wake up, wake up bride, wake up bride. Did you guys hear that? Get, get to your, your station. I've got a plan for you. I've got your identity. I, I have something for you. So God's already speaking this to us. So write down in your notes, if you will, the letter C. We must care like Paul. We must cultivate a heart of care for the lost, and we must grow in our concern for others like Paul. We must cultivate a deep sorrow and grief in our hearts for those who do not know Christ. Evangelism, hear me, evangelism always starts with caring. Evangelism always starts with caring. It does not start with guilt. It does not start with you feeling guilty about not doing it. It doesn't start with you feeling obligated to evangelize. True evangelism comes out of caring. Everybody say caring. If you're going to be an evangelist, if you're going to help people come to know Jesus Christ, it will not be because you feel guilty and you feel the pressure from me to do something. It will come out of a heart and a compassion that Paul had as he was care. He had a care and a concern for his countrymen. Amen? And God is blowing over us. He is convicting me of my lack of care and concern for the lost. And when I'm out and about, here's what happens to me. I think I've already shared it. I shared it in my first message on Romans as, as God was convicting my heart in Romans chapter 1 where Paul said he was devoted to the gospel. 
and I was convicted that I was not devoted to the gospel. I was devoted to maturing the body of Christ. I was, I was committed to helping others come to know Christ and mature in Christ, but I was not devoted to the gospel in reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. And so God's been working on my heart for weeks. And he's working on yours. The wind is blowing. The spirit is moving. God is doing something different in us. Can I have an amen? But what I do is I go through life, and and here's my scenario as I put it in story form. I go to Walmart, or I go to get something or pick something up, or you're traveling to and from, and people are passing me all the time, but I'm not looking into their eyes. I'm not seeing them. They're passing me, but I'm not seeing them. Anybody want to say, yeah, well, I got that problem too. And, we're, and I have my own agenda, I have my own plan, I have my own thing that I've got to do because we have, are too busy, busier in a one-armed paper hanger or whatever they say, right? And we, and we keep too busy and we get so focused on our own house, our own things, our own what we're doing, and we miss the treasures that are passing by us. Anybody done that lately? And so I've been repenting. I've been asking God to forgive me. God, help me to have concern and care for the people that you put in contact with my life. And so there has been asking for forgiveness. And I believe the first step in the C area for us this morning, the first step in caring has got to be asking God for forgiveness. Could you write that down? Ask God to forgive you for your lack of care. I was going to leave this out because I did not want to beat us this morning. I did not want to come across from a negative perspective because inside of you is the desire to reach the lost. Inside of you, it's already there, and I want to call it forth. I want to bring it and bring it forth and see it manifested in all of us. But at first, I think we have to, we have to confess that we've not been that, and we have to repent. We have to ask God to forgive us for not caring like we should for not being about his mission. And so I believe the wind of the Spirit is blowing on us right now this morning, and he is going to get us our care back. Say, get my care back. Get my concern back. Anybody want their concern and care for others back? Anybody want it back? I see a few of you wanting it back. Evidently, you've already got it, right? But our pain and our distress and our mental anguish and our concern for those around us who need salvation needs to actually increase, right? Because you were created for care, and it is you, it is in you, and I'm calling it forth this morning, and I'm declaring it over you in Jesus' name. You are going to grow in your care and concern for the lost around you. Say, I will grow for my care and concern of the salvation of those around me. Thank you, God, for a deep reservoir of compassion for the lost in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So our first training point in CPR is we must care. You guys got that down? I'm not going to go over that anymore. You're just going to deal with God, and I've got some things at the end that we're going to do in order to work towards that this week. So in CPR training, what do you think P stands for? Get you curious? The work of salvation is also the work of a man, of man, but P stands for praying. Everybody write down praying if you don't mind. 
Paul said in 10.1, he said, my concern and prayer is that they may be saved. People don't know how much you know until they know how much you care. I also believe if you don't care, you won't pray. Once we get our caring back, I believe it moves us to prayer. Once we begin to allow and say, God, I am open for you to blow over my heart. I've repented. I've confessed it. I, 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 I come in agreement. I'm all in. God, deal with the care and the concern in my heart. I believe the next thing that begins to happen in our CPR training is it begins to kindle a desire for prayer for the lost. Paul's concern for his people's salvation drove him to prayer. Nehemiah's concern for Jerusalem and the walls being torn down in Jerusalem and the people of God not being safe, his concern led him to pray, God, what do you want me to do? And God gave him a plan to reestablish the walls, did he not? Jesus Christ was so concerned about our salvation and for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What did Jesus do? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before. And what does he do? He labors in prayer for, for what he's getting ready to go through, but he's always praying for who? Always praying for us. He has a concern for us. And so there is this pattern established within the word of God over and over that if you have care and you have concern, it always moves you to prayer. I just, just, I just bet if there was a mother in this house whose daughter was cutting herself or she was in deep depression or she was in drugs or she was in, 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 out all hours of the night, I guarantee you that mother what? Praise. I guarantee you, if you have a family member in trouble and there is something going on and they have cancer in their body, your concern level goes out of the roof, doesn't it? And what do you do? Where do you go? You go to what? So we've got to move on this thing of care and compassion and, and, because it's, it's, it's that that needs to drive prayer. Otherwise, on Wednesday night when we come here and there's five to six people or eight people here praying, you're going to come out of duty to pray at the church. You're not going to come out of concern. And so you're going to drudgingly come to prayer. Oh, yeah, they're having prayer out there. I better go. I feel so guilty. That's not why I want us praying. Our nation is going to hell in the handbasket. That's why we're praying. The nations of the earth are raging. That's why we're praying. Our youth are consumed with a spirit of fear and panic and anxiety. That's why we're praying. That's why we're on our knees. Because we have a concern for the way the nation's going and the way our people are going in this house. Concern always leads to prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will what come and heal their land. Prayer. CPR training. <laughs> care, concern, 
It led Paul to prayer. It led Paul to a burden. It led Paul to call on the name of God for his countrymen. It caused Paul to labor in prayer for God's people, for salvation to come. The war in Ukraine has caused us to pray some more. The salvation of Ukraine and Russia should burden us. This is a wake-up call. Your gas prices are nothing. Your inflation is nothing. That's the least of my worries. That's the least of my concern. Oh, God, help me with the gas prices. Oh, dear God, is it about your kingdom or his? There is evil pressing in. There is evil pressing in. There is evil pressing in to the nations and this nation. And God is wanting to blow on our hearts to increase our care and concerns for the loss so that we will pray. CPR training 101. This morning, God wants to use you to save some people from dying and going to hell. C is caring, P is praying. Are you getting the message? Are you okay with me? It's okay if you're not. What do you think the R is? We're Jeopardy here, guys. What's the one, what's the answer, right? Ooh. Respond. Ooh, good job, guys. Good job, Susan. Good job, Shelley. Respond. Our caring moves us to prayer, and our prayer moves us to responding. To responding and sharing the message. Let's look at Romans 10. Oh, there's your CPR. Forgot about that slide. There you go, CPR. And let's look about the response that God is looking for from us. Are you guys ready for this? How then can they call on the one they have believed in? How can they do that? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without what? Someone preaching to them. And how could anyone preach unless they're sent? And it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How will they hear the message about Jesus unless there is a preacher? Time out. Preacher is not me. Preacher is not leader. The word for preacher here is herald. It's not elder. It's not high potentate. It's not, I got to have everything figured out. It's not, I have to have a theological degree. Preacher here is a herald going through the streets, 
heralding the good news about Jesus. Someone talking. Everybody say talk. Some of you talk too much and not enough about Jesus. Preacher means herald, a voice, one who declares Christ. What was the command to us? Go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. Who is the, who, who, or who is the preach the gospel? Say me, please. Teenagers, say me. Teenagers, say me. It's me. We are proclaimers. We are declarers. We are heralds. We don't use that word. Hark the heralds, angels. Oh, Eric, don't go there. We are called to respond. There is a work of, sal- of man in salvation, and it has to have a response. We must speak for them to hear. God sends us into our communities to speak to the mission field, to speak at our workplace, to speak at school, to speak at Walmart, to speak everywhere we go. And if we're not seeing the people and we're not concerned about the people, they will pass by us and go into eternity without Christ. Does that bother you? We're on a mission for God. You have a mission to fulfill that only you can fulfill. And what did Jesus say himself? As my Father has sent me, I am sending you. They have to be sent. We've already been commissioned and sent by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's already been done. We are sending people forth to declare the good news of Jesus. That's good news. At some point, you must get brave enough to open your mouth about Jesus. Everybody open your mouth. We'll talk about the weather. We'll talk about how cute your shoes are. We'll talk about everything, about, hey, how's your little kiddo? How's your grandchild? How's your this or that? But inside of you is this river of living water that comes forth out of you. The very DNA of Jesus has been placed inside of you. You have a river that needs to come out. Can I have an amen on that? And here's what I want to say. This, and you go, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know the Bible well enough. Well, why do you think we have a reading plan? (laughs) We're We're getting to know the Word of God better, right? But this is where your testimony comes into powerful play. And, you, and you're going, I mean, three weeks ago, Karen and I went out with uh, House Church. We went to a, a, a place, and, and the girl that we were supposed to pray for, man, oh man, it was just God's timing. It was just, she was pregnant, having morning sickness. Her sister had lost three babies. She was scared to death. She was going to leave three. And who does God send about babies? who had seven years of, 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 of infertility, seven years of not being able to get pregnant, a, a one child losing a child by miscarriage. Oh, it's just Karen and I. And what do you think we ministered? Our testimony. You got to know your testimony. God wants to heal you. God wants to set you free. Hey, girl, you can have this baby. Your baby can be healthy. You don't have to live that way. Can I pray for you? <laughs> Will you pray for me? Pull her off to the side from the register. Ask the boss, can I pray for her? Yeah, yeah, she really needs prayer. 
So pull her off to the side, and Karen and I lay hands on her and pray for her. And all of a sudden, this joy. I, t- I, I, call, I went back, and I asked the, the, the boss. I said, how's she doing? She goes, man, she is not scared anymore. And she, she was away from the Lord. And I said, God's calling you back. God's wooing you back. You've known Christ at one time, haven't you? Yes, I have. And she was wanting the Lord. She was wanting to return. I said, we're going to be praying for you. I said, you know where we're at. Actually, she knew Abraham, didn't know that. I said, well, we are out there at New Covenant. We'll we'll love you and we'll help you on your walk with God. So you got to have your testimony ready. What did God do with you? You don't have to have Romans 3.23 memorized. It's good if you do. And we'll work on that. You don't have to have the Roman road of salvation all perfect. We've got a plan for that. We'll help you with that. But beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And you have to respond. You have to get your mouth involved. You have to be a voice for Jesus. Salvation is a work of man. You hear me? Salvation is a work of man. And we cooperate with the divine, living God, to bring it to others. A church or a people that does not evangelize will eventually die and become a dead religious place. God is wanting you to use CPR on the spiritually dead of this community. Salvation is a supernatural work of God, and it's a supernatural work of you. And here's the quote that I hope you take a picture of. What starts in your heart as caring is nurtured in your heart by praying. And it gets mobilized into your responding and going to the lost with the message of salvation. What starts in your heart as caring for the lost is nurtured in your heart by praying for the lost and praying for God to move on your heart, praying that God would soften your heart, that God would increase the care. And as you nurture that caring, it gets mobilized into your responding. It, get, it, gets, it gets mobilized into your verbalization. You're verbalizing the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and the message of salvation. Can anybody say amen? If you could stand up with me. We're going to do some things here. If you wouldn't mind, uh, Chris, putting on a little bit of music. What starts in your heart is caring and is nurtured in your heart by praying gets mobilized into responding and going to the lost with the message of salvation. CPR training, guys. That's it right there. There's more I can say. You got it? God wants to use you to bring people back to life. Some of them are dead. They're dead. Some of them are away from the Lord. Some have been known, known Christ and walked away. Are y'all in? Are y'all in? Now close your eyes with me for a moment. I want you to do business with God individually. Spirit of God, come and deal with our hearts. I want to ask you a question. 
How does God want you to respond to this message today? In your C, your caring. Your P, your praying. And your R, in responding. What is Holy Spirit doing in you right now? Is there conviction? Does something need to change in you? Does something need to change in your heart? Does something need to change in your focus? Do you need to confess anything to the Lord about your heart toward the lost right now? Just do it right now. If you need to say sorry, tell him sorry. Confess it. Is your heart hard? You don't care? Confess it. Tell him, I'm sorry, my heart's hard. Sorry, I've been ignoring those people. Sorry. Sorry, I've made it about me. Get real. Get real with your God right now. Do business with the Spirit of God. What do you need to confess? What do you need changed? There should be some crying and grieving going on in our hearts. What's the Spirit of God want to do in you? Then tell him, tell him right now. Confess. Repent. God, forgive me. Forgive me that my heart's been hard. Forgive me that my heart's been distracted. Forgive me that my heart's been on my mission rather than your mission and I haven't been all in. Forgive me, God, that, I, that I've not been devoted to the gospel, the declaring of your good news. Forgive me that it doesn't bother me that people go to hell. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Holy Spirit, do our work in our hearts right now. We confess, God, that our heart needs to change. just ask him to forgive you just ask him to forgive you you've confessed it you've given it to him just say Lord I receive your forgiveness I receive your forgiveness Lord thank you thank you that there is no condemnation for those in Christ I don't have to beat myself up I don't have to shame myself I'm free I'm at peace with you thank you for your forgiveness thank you for your mercy 
I receive that and I thank you that condemnation is gone because I've made a choice to confess it and bring it before you. So just thank him for his forgiveness. Thank him for his mercy right now. And now ask him to awaken your love and your care for the lost. Lord, would you do that right now? Just kind of put your palms up and just say, I want to receive. Father, I ask that you blow on my heart. Father, I thank you that as I've been forgiven, that now, God, I thank you for blowing over the coals of my heart. And I thank you, God, for filling me up with your love and compassion for the lost. I just declare that over this house right now, Father. I thank you for blowing by the wind of your spirit. Right there it is. In Jesus' name, receive. Receive compassion and care, God. I thank you for increasing the care and compassion in this house. I thank you, God, for increasing the concern for the lost in this house. Father, I thank you for tenderizing our hearts right now. I thank you, God, for a move of your spirit, supernaturally activating our heart for concern and care. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Receive that. Anybody feeling anything? Good, good. Now respond to God and ask him what he wants you to do. What are you wanting me to do, God? How do you want me to change my life in order to be more about the lost? What is my response? How is the Spirit of God wanting you to respond right now? Activate your will and tell him you will pray for the lost. Tell him you'll obey him in the mission. Tell him you'll turn your heart to the lost around you. Tell him that you're all in. I'm all in, God. All the cards are on the table. I will respond, and I will begin to change. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All hearts clear? All hearts clear? I bless you in the name of the Lord. This isn't condemnation. This is truly God moving a people towards what he wants. In the last year, we've been discipling our families. We've had discipleship groups. But you know God wants us to begin to disciple the lost. And he's preparing this people for a harvest. There's going to be people that have come to know Jesus. Abraham had a dream the other day. This place was packed. People were getting saved. People were excited about the word. They were excited to be here. People were standing up in the foyer, couldn't get in. People were watching from the TV out there. And it's because God does the supernatural work of salvation. So do we. It's a work of God, and it's a work of man. And here's our homework. You guys ready for some homework? Because we're going to foster CPR this week in our lives, okay? So here's, here's your action plan for the week. Take a picture of it. I will also paste, post it on our Facebook page. But here's what I've started doing. Start people watching this week. 
go to the store, the mall, or work, and just stop and start looking at people. Pay attention to the people around you. Look in their eyes and see them. See what God shows you. Words of knowledge will start to come forth. Things will start to stir in your heart. Pray for them under your breath. Pray in the spirit for them. Oh God, get them. What are you wanting to say to them? God, what are you wanting to show them? But what we're doing is we're beginning to become aware of the people around us is what this is for, for us to do. Create margin in your life to slow down and see that there are lost people all around you who need salvation. Give God opportunity to work on your care for the lost this week. And that's what this is all about. Will you do this with me? Yes. All right. You also have an opportunity to evangelize if you want. But I want it to be because your heart is stirred and caring about the lost. We have been meeting at the house church for evangelism the first and third Saturdays of the month. Come out with us. We meet, there's the address and there's the time. It was mentioned by Shelly earlier. Great opportunity. There's a little equipping that goes on for about 15 minutes beforehand on what, how to do it and some great equipping that they do. And then we go out and do what Karen and I did the other week and you run into people and guess what? God moves. <laughs> Feel free to come join us. <clears throat> Number three, prayer. Wednesday nights at 6.30 here at New Covenant Worship Center. Come if there's a burden on your heart. <laughs> but I say come even if there's not a burden. I know and it's, it's just time. We're, we're focused on some areas where we're praying. And I want to encourage you to come and pray. And then our reading plan this week is Romans 11, the Hear Journal, and also memorize 1 John 1, 9. How's that sound for a starter this week? You guys with me? Yes. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have the altar team come up. We're going to put some more music on. And I do not want to go this service when we're talking about salvation. And the, the fact that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. If there is someone in this house today and you do not have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to experience his presence and you want him in your life, our altar team is going to be up here and we want to pray for you. It won't take a bunch of time. It's all about surrender. It's about believing, yielding, confessing, and believing. And we will lead you through that confessing, believing, and the Spirit of God right now. It's a supernatural work. And if you're here today, that supernatural work is going on right now inside of you. You can't get away from it. The, the, the temperature's going up. Your pulse rate's going up. The Spirit of God is drawing you, and you know you need the Lord. If that's you today, I want you to come up and see me, and we'll pray with you guys and so, and you, so that you can receive the Lord. So I would ask that you guys, as we leave today, take your conversation out there. That way, if there's anybody that wants to experience the Lord today, they have some time to do that. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for Romans 10. I thank you, God, for your plan of salvation. I thank you, God, for the supernatural, divine work that you do to draw men to yourself. And I thank you, God, for our work to cooperate with you in evangelism to bring salvation to the lost. As we go into the mission field, God, as we cross through those doors, may we see the people that you want us to see. And may we open our mouths with our testimony and the goodness of who you are as we meet people on the streets. Lord, we thank you for it, and we give you praise. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We love you.